0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: What's up, boys and girls? Welcome once again to the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast on the Panel and Fit Network. Let's see, last week's episode um, with Folkmaster. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you haven't listened to it, go ahead and listen to it. I do have to apologize. It was actually my first episode recorded this year like i know i had already a few uh, episodes coming out this year but they were recorded last year um this one was actually recorded um the one with footmaster gene jensen was actually recorded this year and i must have messed up my mic settings so i know my voice might have been blown out so the quality on my end was not that good so i apologize for any of you that listen to it if you haven't listened to it, you can still check it out. I mean, it's not that bad. And it's great information from Gene Jensen. I mean, a lot of great information that Gene Jensen shared on that episode. But just want to start off apologizing about that last week's audio. This week, I got another special guest, as always, Silas Garrett. He just won the Southeast Texas Kayak Bass League. I hope I got that right. Um, And it was the, the first one this year. It was in Fayette. Uh, power plant lake so we're going to be talking about silas about his big win um and how he he accomplished it and we're going to be talking about fishing on power plant lakes in winter that's something that i'm not used to and i know it can be very different um fayetteville last year or fayette Fayetteville, i keep saying that lake fayette last year i think was a great tournament as far as numbers wise and I'll, I'll have to ask silas about this but i think it was like there were guys putting up like 104 105 inches something like that um and i think he took part in that tournament too but anyway silas was here last year he won fairfield and i think it was also for the southeast texas kayak bass league um tournament so i'm glad to have him back again It's another great angler in Texas. Um, I know I'm biased because I'm from Texas, but we really do have some amazing anglers here. And um, it is hard to get a win. It is hard to stand out in Texas when it comes to tournament fishing. So happy to have him on, Uh, happy that he won. Again, great angler, great person to talk to, great guest. Um, Always enjoys having uh, conversations with Silas, especially when he's on the show. As far as my week goes, uh, if you hear me a little bit congested, that's because I'm probably going through COVID. Um, I'm still waiting for the test results. I've had COVID, let's see, today's Thursday. I've had COVID since Sunday evening, or at least flu-like symptoms since Sunday evening. I've never had a flu-like symptoms for this prolonged time. So it really sucks. I don't wish it upon anybody. So everybody out there stay safe, hopefully at some point this crap will be over but yeah i'll do my best to keep focused on the show and still bring you great content and i'll rely heavily on silas personality and knowledge on this one so since i'm going to be a little bit congested here throughout the episode so anyways thank you again for joining us uh before we bring silas big shout out to my sponsor douglas rod go, Doug, go to DouglasOutdoors.com. to check out their full lineup And uh, um, they're amazing rocks. So we'll go to a quick commercial, bring Silas back in.
0: In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. What's going on, buddy? How's it going?
2: What's up, man? Doing all right?
1: Pretty good, man. Happy to have you back on the show, man.
2: Thank you.
1: Big congratulations on your big win. Yeah, thank you. I always mispronounce that lake. I don't know why. It's because I work at the airport and I'm always thinking of Fayette. I always say Fayetteville. Um uh because that's one of the destinations we fly to. So that name always comes up. The lake is Fayette, right? Lake yeah, Fayette.
2: Fayette.
1: Yep. Always get that confused. The power plant lake, man. Tell us tell us about your big win, first of all, man. How did it how are you comfortable feeling on those power plant lakes um in winter?
2: I mean, uh, Fayette in general, I mean, generally fish is always pretty good. I mean, any time of the year, they're always running the power plant. Uh, you can kind of catch them however you want to. I mean, most days, you know, you can go out there, you know, flip shallow reeds. It has hydrilla. Uh, of course, everybody knows about the offshore bite there. Um, yeah, just fish your strengths type of lake.
1: You fished that tournament or that league last year in a tournament right yeah, and yeah i think i can't i'm trying to remember if it was the southeast texas kayak bass league god that's a long name or the tkc uh which is also um hosted by chris morales yeah, um one of those two ones mm-hmm. which i can't remember and i if i remember correctly i think it was a great turnout as far as numbers wise goes like there's still a, like i think it was like uh the top two or three got over three hundred I mean three hundred over well yeah with it but over a hundred each one, something like that. You remember?
2: Yeah, I mean uh I've we kinda start on that lake every year, so like four yeah. years in a row. We've been there in January and just about every year it takes a hundred inches to win.
1: It's a great lake. Um it doesn't get a lot of recognition nationally on tournaments like uh uh, let's say a uh, fork or OH Ivy, which actually blowing up and even Possum kingdom, but it is really a local lake that it produces big bass. Uh, from what I've heard of, I've never fished it. Um, I'm dying to go fish it, uh, especially on winter. What is, what's the big difference fishing like a normal lake to a power plant lake when it relates to winter?
2: So relating to winter, uh... You know, most lakes right now in Texas, we kind of had like a, the, the winter was slow to start. Um, so it's just now water temps are starting to drop everywhere. Now Fayette, uh, its water temps are still in like 65, you know, maybe low 60s on a really cold day. But um, from what I could tell, they're either uh, have just spawned or slightly postponed at Fayette right now. Uh, really? Know, I was, yeah, I was actually seeing Fry in the reeds. Really? Wow. Yeah. So I don't know if all of them have spawned yet, but I know at least one round has gone up there and spawned.
1: Wow. I mean, yeah, maybe not the masses that usually, you know, go through phases, start off, and then goes to that middle section where it's like most of them are spawning and then start trickling off. Yeah. That's crazy, man. In January. And I I can't even imagine in the... And I guess that's why it's so productive late, because I mean, those fish, those bass, can feed literally all year long. Like they don't go to winter hibernation unless it's something like last year, you know, when we had that snowmageddon. And maybe a, something like that would get them into a week or two of winter hibernation. But for the most part, they're not. They're not going to winter hibernation. I would imagine. I'm not. I'm no marine biologist or expert on the science of bass, right? But it's, i mean that's what makes sense to me
2: yeah I mean I think there's a lot of fish in that lake and a lot of bait so i mean there's gizzard shad there that are you know 14 inches long and every kind of species you want it, uh as far as bait
1: so what to you was the key um for to winning the tournament like what what did you start let's start from the beginning of the day to the end of the day what did you what did you saw in pre-fishing if you got a chance to pre-fish? Um, what did you start it with? Uh, first of all, let's talk about that. What, what was your first bait of choice?
2: Yeah, so um, I kind of actually figured the, the, the wind was going to come shallow. Um, you know, I had gotten out there maybe about two, three weeks ago, and I was catching uh, not fish on beds, but, uh, you know, uh, big girls roaming uh, by the reeds. Uh, if I find a little bit of grass, that was like more of the ticket. So, you know, I kind of went uh, on Sunday with the ambition to flip reeds and maybe throw a chatterbait in the grass. Um, and that's
1: – right. I'm sorry.
2: That, that was the main goal uh, for me. Uh, of course, whenever I got there, stuff kind of changed a little bit. But um, anyways, uh, yeah, so I started off shallow. I was thinking shallow. Uh, I was actually throwing a chatterbait. Um, you know kind of on maybe like the back third of a little pocket um mm-hmm. they're on the chatterbait and what was weird is uh, they weren't hitting it whenever I was reeling fast it it wasn't like a a cadence thing but if I would pull that thing all the way up to the surface and just kill it they were like hitting it right next to the boat so i was actually you know some they would actually grab it and some they would uh they would just nip the back and then go you know so uh, That morning, I had like maybe three 20-inch fish bite, but I'd only landed one. And so I was kind of frustrated in the morning, uh, to say the least. Uh, But that kind of like started dying off uh, midday. And so I just started thinking, okay, well, let's let's go find the ones that like on secondary points. And, you know, maybe uh, fish that are either moving up or have just moved off uh, type of pattern. So I just scanned for... I mean, literally an hour and a half uh, before I really found something that looked good and all it was was a single little blob sitting on the bottom and it was about an 18 foot of water. <clears throat> uh, so I just threw a jig in there and sure enough, caught a, a 15-incher. I was like, okay, this is something. Uh, Release that fish real quick, threw back in and literally as soon as my jig hit the water, uh, I got bit and it was a 21-incher. And so, of course, at that point, I was like, all right, it's game on. And, uh, yeah, just started looking on my graph. And, uh, you know, once again, I was sitting out in the deeper water, but I kept on noticing that my bites were coming on. The, like, so there, I was sitting next to a shelf. It was sitting in about 10 foot of water. I'm sitting in 18. Well, most of my bites were coming on top of that shelf. Well, the wind had been pushing me that way the whole time anyway. So I ended up just drifting on top of that shelf. And sure enough, all the fish were just stacked right there in that 10-foot range. And uh, yeah, just kind of threw the whole arsenal at them. Everything from the spoon. Uh, ended up throwing a crankbait at the end to get my big bite. Um, yeah, just threw everything I could until they stopped biting
1: type thing, you know. So it sounds like you, you got a nice school of fish or a nice group of fish that were staging up for spawning soon. I think that that's what it sounds to me. Yeah, yeah. And the first the first group of bass that you got on the chatterbait, or you targeted on the chatterbait, it kind of seems like from what you're describing. And again, that's I like to share knowledge and maybe this will help out some other people. And you let me know what you think um, you saw. But it sounds like that first group of bass that you targeted with the chatterbait that were kind of like just nipping at the at the tail end of that chatterbait. It was more of a maybe spawning bass. They were just because by the size of it, you're saying they were like 20 inch bass. So that makes me think those are big females, or um, kind of getting ready for spawn. They're out, maybe they're already at their beds, um, and they're just kind of like not committing to eating, just kind of like uh, you know, being aggressive um towards annoying fish. You know, they don't want you know, more of a defensive mechanism, right? They're just trying to scare off any potential predators for their eggs. That's what it sounded like. Do you do you feel that's what happened with those at, at the beginning?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think they were 100% just guarding their territory and kind of like staking their claim. And so anything that got close, you know, they were trying to basically just, you know how uh, during spawn, you know, if you're bed fishing, they'll pick up a bait and just run yeah. it, you know, two, three foot away and drop it. You know, that's almost what they were—they were kind of doing.
1: Yeah, and maybe they weren't doing it that much because of the—you know—it's a chatterbait, so they, you know, versus throwing maybe like a, a weightless fluke. Well, they will just hold it and throw it. A chatterbait's going to be harder because obviously it's going to move faster and all that. Um, did you recognize that as an issue, and that's why you decided to say like, okay, this is spawning bass, or sh- let me just move they're not interested in feeding let me just move did you recognize that immediately or was it something else that made you make that change yeah
2: i mean uh i ran that uh pattern probably uh you know first thing in the morning until about noon and it i just wasn't it just wasn't paying off enough you know and then plus you got you know a hundred other guys on the water Uh, a lot of guys are fishing some of the same uh stuff kind of no, like nobody was on top of each other, but still you, you couldn't hit any fresh fish. And I think that them being fresh and first couple of lures that they saw, that was kind of like the big deal. So I ended up abandoning it just because I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was going to be able to catch, you know, a hundred inches shallow with all the people on the water. I think they were there. I think, you know, if you had the lake all to yourself, yeah, you could have stayed shallow and you definitely could have caught a hundred inches
1: that's interesting because that that's where experience in tournament fishing comes and that that that's a big difference right when you talk about experience in fishing for yourself for fun and then experience in managing a tournament and th- that's two different things you can be a great angler but to manage situations like you just said you're out on the shallow water there's other anglers there the fish are more pressured that changes your game completely because now it's not about catching fish it's adapting and catching the biggest five fish and that that's a really interesting point and i've and i've slowly learned that there's there's a learning curve from being able to catch fish to being able to catch winning fish on a tournament you know a good good fisherman a good kayak angler will catch you five fish a good tournament angler I'm going to get you those by five biggest fish. And and I think on this tournament, you can see that. I mean, when you look at the leaderboard, just like yourself, guys that no long, no, I'm sorry, not long. That's not what I meant to say. Guys that not just know how to fish, but how to manage a tournament, right? So you guys not just know how to catch five fish, you know how to target those big fish, because it could have been easily, any any unexperienced tournament angler like myself would have said, well, I got three bites. It's early on. Maybe I can get something out of it. I just need to work on it. Versus an experienced tournament angler would say, this is the situation. A lot of anglers here on the water in this section. I need to move out and find something because I'm not going to be able to catch the numbers that I need. Um, and we saw that a lot of, out in this tournament. I know a, a lot of anglers got a a nice you know, 70-inch limit right off the bat. But that's not what's going to win you the tournament. And that's a big difference, you know, from being a a guy or girl that knows how to catch fish versus a guy or or girl tournament angler that knows how to catch the biggest five fish. When you look at the names, going back to that, Caleb Helbig was there, uh, Timothy Rotman was there, all of you guys that I know, and there were other names out there on on the top of that list. I'm just not familiar with them, so I can't speak um as to their tournament knowledge but i know you i know timothy and i know caleb and i know you guys are experienced and know how to target those five fish and i think that's something that that comes with time me personally learning being in my second year of third year into tournament fishing that's something that i'm like okay you know i can catch five fish now can i catch the biggest five fish that's a big difference
2: yeah i think you nailed it on the head i mean i think it just comes with a little bit of experience uh I think I'm on my fourth year, uh, fishing kayak tournament. So, <clears throat> you know, I've been able to watch some of the, the great guys go out there and, uh, you know, consistently place in the top and generally they're doing something a little bit different than the crowd. You know, yeah, you can kind of follow the crowd if everybody's going to beat the bank, you know, to catch five fish. Yeah. You might have a, you know, a medium sized limit, but the guys that find that, um, you know that outlying pattern you know that nobody else is really fishing and then they can duplicate it in multiple spots that's generally what gets them five good fish
1: yeah that that is that's something that you can't learn overnight i don't care how much many youtube videos you want because it's going to change in any particular lake um that that strategy is going to you know it's not going to translate <clears throat> to every single lake that you go to and, and it comes with the pre-fishing the knowledge and all that so that's great information what is it about a power plant lake that you target versus a non-power plant lake in winter if if Fayette wasn't a power plant lake how would that change your approach on that lake on, on the same time of year
2: yeah I mean uh if it wasn't a power plant lake and we had you know, same kind of conditions as far as like the wind direction and all that stuff, I probably would have just left the, the shallow fish alone. I mean, I think, you know, there's a majority of people that do know that yes, you can catch uh, shallow uh, fish in the winter, but you know, generally the bigger groups are going to be, you know, somewhere offshore. And I just say offshore as, you know, deeper than maybe 10 foot and a little bit off the bank. Um, you know uh so for ex especially i would have just gone straight to some secondary points and just followed the points until i actually found a group of fish um you know kind of judging how far back they are okay are they at the are they at the main lake or are they further back in the pocket on a secondary point or
0: kind
1: of lost your audio for a second there i think you might have gotten a call or something I think you're muted Silas,
2: can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me, Silas?
1: Yeah working. Yeah, I got two of you now. <laughs> I don't know why. Hold on. Oops. Let me remove. There we go. Got we go. it. Yeah, I got a phone call and it booted me out. No worries, man. I'll just take a note over 19 seconds. Um, so yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um how a power plant, like, you know, completely changes the game just because of the warm water. How close do you fish to the warm water that's coming up? Because that warm water, I mean that that's coming like I, how warm does it come out? Come out like it? that's almost like a hundred degrees, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really warm. Um, I I never fish over there because it is kind of a a popular spot um, to fish by the discharge. Um, but I I want to say I've I've been back there before. Might have been like seventy, eighty degrees on a day like Sunday. Wow! Uh, yeah. And the dead of winter. Yeah, in the dead of winter, and I mean, like I said, a lot of guys fish over there, so I just. I just leave it alone. You know, once again, I always try to find something that's not very popular, <laughs> kind of my own pattern so I can stick on it and,
1: and really uh, be thorough in my approach. And that's that's worked out for you from what I've seen over the last, I mean, at least from since I started following you on Tournament Scene uh, when you won, I think it was Fairfield that you won last yeah, year? second, but yeah yeah tim oh got- yeah 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 T- timothy Rahman, who was using your wi-fi right yeah. did he use your wi-fi this year <laughs> no
2: he didn't <laughs> hey but whenever he got back to the ramp at fayette you know yeah uh, he's like how'd you do and uh i i didn't want to tell him and he said well i got 98 and i was like well that's it you know i was trying to <laughs> one-up him after fairfield
1: <laughs> you know he ended up yeah,
2: third know- at fayette so
1: yeah, and I've heard that he struggles a lot in Fayette. I, th- I think that's what I saw in the comments section, so I don't know if uh, how true that is, but it might have been something I that I'm, I struggle with.
2: I, I know we go out there and fun fish a lot, and he's always wrecking them. So, it, you know, it's just one of those things where you have that one tournament lake that just kind of gets you. I mean, really, Fairfield is that way with me. I can go out there a lot of times and, and catch a good bag. A tournament rolls around, and it's like I struggle.
1: I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> yeah that's another um great lake i know we talked about it last year um on the texas wildlife department you know when you look at the what the they say it's good excellently i think their table is excellent good average and below average and they always put like fairfield on like below average bass fishing lake and it's funny because it's not; it's totally not. Somebody's paying for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I hope they keep that as <laughs> yeah, lovely. keep that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, there's some big some big bass at that Lake Fairfield. Um, is Fayette your favorite lake to fish, or uh, do you have another favorite?
2: No, um, it, it's a lake that I like a lot. It's probably uh, at least my top five. I would probably say that Fairfield's probably my first. Uh, uh, man, there's. So many good lakes. I mean, I like Lake Fork, uh, yeah. uh Anything with a little bit of grass and maybe a little bit of timber,
1: I like it a lot. You know. Nice. Um, what's your least favorite lake on the tournament schedule this year for oh, the Southeast Texas Kayak Bass League?
2: Uh, my least favorite, which I'm kind of lucky I'm gonna have to skip, but uh, is the Sabine River is on the. Oh yeah on the tournament schedule this year but uh my wife's pregnant and due in may oh congratulations right in that time
1: so nice oh, that's, okay. you good. That, that's gonna be your personal best now oh right? yeah absolutely first child?
2: no this is uh my third
1: oh nice congratulations yeah thank you awesome yeah sabine river i haven't fished that we're now sabine river that's that actually fits lake fork right
2: no uh that's the uh san angelo i think
1: San Angelo. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The Sabine is uh, like on the, on the coast of uh, Louisiana and Texas. No. Okay. Uh, Yeah. It's like a, I think it's brackish water, you know, it has salt water and fresh water in it.
1: That's going to be interesting. I think tidal waves are going to play a big part. Like how close to, uh, on that lake, the territory that's going to be allowed to fish, how close is it to, uh, to the coast? Uh, I it think it's be pretty darn more...
2: close. Uh, I haven't really looked at the the boundaries just because I kind of knew I was already going to miss it. But
1: um,
2: yeah, I I know it can be real tough fishing. <laughs>
1: so yeah, it could be. I can see somebody like Dustin Nichols, who's very familiar with that area, um, play a big role on. Oh yeah, he's probably, the tournament. I feel like
2: he's going to win it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, the doodoo is. I I would pick him for favorite, but it, yeah, it's that's that's very different lake from what most of us here in texas are fishing well at least this side of texas i know you guys southeast texas you probably some of the anglers out there probably um used to fish in that area but yeah up here in north texas or even central or west texas that's not something they are going to be familiar with um other than the local trails southeast texas kayak bass league what other local trails are you fishing or just that one uh
2: yeah so um I'm keeping my tournament schedule kind of light this year. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm having a newborn, so uh, I tried to squeeze in as many as I could, but really it's just the Southeast Texas Trail. Uh, I might make it to a couple uh, North Texas tournaments. Um, I'm going to do the bass event at Lake Fork uh, coming nice. up in February. Um, of course, then we have the the Hobie uh, that's going to uh, be on Toledo Bend the second weekend in February. That, that also correlates with the Southeast Texas tournament. Yep. Um so I'm gonna make those, but uh
1: primarily it's just gonna be Southeast Texas this year. Nice. So you're gonna be fishing the Hobie? Yeah. Nice, man. I'm I'm probably I'm hoping everything works out good. God willing, I'll be there as well. That's gonna be interesting. I just heard there's gonna be mm-hmm. a boat tournament there as well that weekend. Of course. Of course. So you guys <laughs> and then bass Nation for Louisiana is doing the same thing. They're gonna um kind of merge it with Hobie Semmes Southeast Texas, Texas oh. Kayak Bass League. So, man, that's gonna be that's gonna be packed lake. Thank God it's such a huge lake. But I'm wondering. I think I'm looking at. I'm already doing the study, study maps, and I'm thinking this is one of those lakes where you might have to go to plan A, B, C, D, E, F. Because there's you. You might think you have the sweet spot, but then again, you're gonna have going to have the guys from the hobby bos guys from the southeast texas kayak bass league and guys from the bass nation um louisiana chapter fishing although i think they're going to have to stay on the louisiana side and i have to ask chris morales because i wanted to do it in conjunction also with southeast texas kayak bass league Gotten used to saying that (laughs) can't believe it um but is it only on texas side that you can fish for that um to qualify for the southeast
2: if I'm uh if I'm not mistaken, uh, you can fish any side. I, I think the only uh, prerequisite is that you have to have a Louisiana fishing license if you want yeah. from the Louisiana side.
1: Okay. Cause I vaguely remember reading something about the rules and I thought it said that you'd only fish the Texas side. And for me it was like, well, if I'm, if big thing is fishing the Hobie, if I find fish on the Louisiana side, then it's not going to call out, you know, work well but if you can finish both sides of it which i think you will like you said then that makes it different um but yeah it's going to be interesting that's going to be very very interesting yeah that's uh, going to be a fun tournament for sure yeah for sure a, lo- a lot of big groups uh um and not a, a chance to you know meet a lot of people and kind of like grow and get knowledge and talk to other people and see what they find and all that probably it's going to be after the tournament, but <laughs> you know, a lot of great information can be shared afterwards um, makes everybody better angler. What's what tournament or what Lake are you lo- most looking forward this year to fish? I mean,
2: honestly, uh, even before the Fayette
1: tournament, I, I was pretty
2: excited about Lake Fork. Uh, yeah. I, I kind of, I'm going with like a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. Um, I'm not sure if you saw last year, but uh, last year for Lake Fork, uh, I started the day with like 80 inches and four fish. Um, you know, that was like all caught in the first hour. And then I spent about seven hours looking for a fifth fish and ended yeah, up it being only like a 12-incher so i i ultimately i ended up in 12th place but uh but i had such a, a great start if i could have got like a i think a 16 and a half inch fish would have got me first i believe maybe second but
1: yeah oh wow no it was man it was a uh, it was a tough tournament last year for uh the bass nation in fork i know for me, it was, I know for uh, for most Texans, other than Guillermo Gonzalez, who I think was the only one that got into the top 10, I think he got into the top five, something like 94, 96 inches, but that's usually, that was the only Texan in in the top 10. Nobody else came and came close. It was like, you would expect that, you know, in the top 10, it will be more than half would be some, you know, from Texas, um, especially in Lake Fork. But it wasn't. And I think uh, that snowmageddon that we had, like, I want to say, like, a month earlier or maybe more, kind of, like, took everybody by surprise. Because none of us here in Texas are kind of used to fishing after such a big uh, snowstorm. Um, And I think what we all thought was going to happen or the bite was going to be was probably the opposite. Um, But, yeah, that that was kind of disappointing, not seeing more Texans on that name you know being from texas if i'm not gonna win it i want to see you know my uh, brothers and sisters from texas do well you know represent the the state but yeah it was tough watching that one um this year it's going to be interesting because of the water level being so low um i don't know if that's going to favor a lot of the local talents uh I think it might, uh, especially for those that are fishing out there, because um, now you can see a lot more. Now you're going to be familiar with spots where you're like, oh, that's what I used to see on the graph. You can actually see it now.
2: Yeah, yeah, get a good hands-on look at everything. Yeah, yeah I think it's going to be a – maybe a – it's going to be tough for, like, most of the field, but I think that there's going to be a good group of people that really get on them good. Um I think with the with the lake low, I mean, the rumor is you know catching fish out of a barrel type thing, but I don't think it'll be
1: that good. But maybe. Yeah, I I've heard people say that. I'm like, I don't know about that. <laughs> For sure. No, and keep in mind that 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 lake is. I'm I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, other um, boat tournaments because there's always boat tournaments mm-hmm. in in yeah. Lake Fork. I pre-fished it on a Monday for last year's tournament and there was a boat tournament on a Monday. I'm like, it's not even a holiday. Why is there a boat Uh, tournament on a Monday? (laughs) Um, So, but the good thing about it this year, last year was kind of like where you expect the spawning bass. And I think you saw a lot of uh, crappy um, tour guides, um, you know, targeting crappy. I'm not saying they're crappy. Um, And there was a boat tournament, that weekend as well i think now because it's not not expected to be spawning in mid-february i don't think we're going to get that much of a boat traffic and i also think because the water level is so low there's going to be access to some areas that we would have to share with a boat that now we might have actually to ourselves downside to that it's going to be a lot of people breaking their (laughs) their their um their torpedoes their you know excise their motor guides if they're pedaling i mean they're going to be breaking their um hobie paddles um uh, or pedals um their or their uh old town uh you know Prop. props yeah. uh style of uh pedaling that that's going to be a challenge to itself so one end we i don't i think a lot of boat uh um anglers are going to stay away from it just because they know the dangers of fishing in the area, especially out it's so low. But yeah, I think anybody wants to make money, they can wholesale props <laughs> for uh, Old Town and Hobie and just have like a, uh, a sell them <laughs> at the shore. That, at the boat yeah, end. I hadn't ordered two extra
2: props. Uh, I'm rocking the Old Town Autopilot this year and went ahead and bought two props just for that tournament. Uh, I think it's going to be nice because you're not going to have boats maybe buzzing yeah. past you you know generally if you get offshore on a on those bigger lakes you know the boats like to buzz past you i think maybe with all the timber out maybe you want yeah. yeah
1: no i agree that i think that's gonna work out better uh but yeah if you like paddling instead of pedaling this is your tournament because you don't have to worry about bringing your props or your pedals <laughs> yeah yeah you're good <laughs> You're good anybody with a question so drew gregory with his quest kayak probably is gonna win it like he always does <laughs> That's going to be cool. Um, Other than that, Lake Fork, what what else? What are your goals for this year? Is it an angler? You already got your tournament. You're going to be fishing the Hobie BOS. You're going to be fishing the Fork. I imagine those are two tournaments you really would like to win and have it as a goal. Like for you, that's actually an attainable goal with your um, pedigree as a kayak angler. Angler of the year, is that something that you're realistically putting for yourself uh, uh, as a. as a gold this year?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think the Southeast Texas angler of the year is, uh, you know, there's a a lot of good sticks uh, in that group. And, uh, but I think with a, you know, a win already under my belt, maybe I kind of start starting off with the, a good amount of points, Uh, but I'm going to be pushing hard. Uh, Generally, they let you drop one tournament, which of course, like I said, I have to miss Sabine. So, um, so it'll be hard. i have to basically compete well in every single tournament to, to actually capture an Angler of the Year. But, you know,
1: I'm going to give it my all. Nice. And if you qualify for either um, the Classic at uh, Bass Nation or the TLC at Hobie BOS, you think you'll be able to get. I mean, it's further down the road. I don't even know if you would qualify for Bass Nation. I think you qualify for 2023 Bass nation kayak series classic wouldn't be the one for this year so assuming let's say you win or you you did enough to qualify that would be i think in 2023 if you're doing if you land in the top three in the hobie bos then you qualify for theirs in november in cattle lake um would you think you'd be able to attend that assuming you get into yeah i
2: mean uh that's definitely the goal i mean if i can qualify for the a tournament of champions yeah. uh, for Hobie and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, uh, the downside is i basically only have one tournament to do it on Toledo bend, uh, for Hobie. Um, as far as the bass, uh, championship, I did qualify for the 2022 championship, I think. Oh, and nice. And in March, um, it's kind of up in the air if I actually make it or not though, it is about a 15 hour drive, never been yeah. there type stuff. So, um, but uh, but yes, if if I can qualify on bass or on uh, Lake Fork for bass for the twenty twenty three, I think next year will be a year that I can actually compete in a little bit more uh, national tournaments. Uh, you know, not having a newborn
1: or anything. Definitely, yeah. I I know there's a lot of stress and a lot of things that go in, uh, um, that you have to take consideration with the expectation of the new arrival. How do you manage your time? Uh, you know, with your work, family time, to actually being putting time on the water? How hard is for you to fish or put time on the water?
2: Uh, I mean, that's a pretty uh, good question there. Um, So I actually just went uh, back to being self-employed in October, at the very end of October, uh, November. Um, You know, me and Tim have Volta Lithium. Uh, We've been pushing batteries. We we build them right here uh, in this office right here. Um, so this year we kind of took a leap. We ordered a whole bunch of stock, and hopefully that should be arriving like within the next couple of weeks so um so right now, I'm kind of just waiting on that uh i do I've worked as a mechanic uh body shop type stuff all my life, so I'm kind of filling in the gaps with mechanic work until I can actually push Volta as hard as I need to, you know um, but as far as the balance there being a little bit self employed right now. I am able to kind of sneak off in the middle of the week, you know, while the kids are at school, the wife's working. And that kind of makes it a little bit easier. Uh, you know, last year I worked at a body shop and we had a hail storm come through. So it was pretty much, you know, boss of the wall yeah. the whole year. Uh so I wasn't able to fish as much, but but this year, um,
1: definitely able to get out there during the week is a is a big plus. Yeah, man. Having um uh... That flexibility, that's something that right now decisions are being made here in my household with my work because right now I'm not this week because I'm with COVID, but prior to that, it's like working 16 hours, not 16 hours, I'm sorry, I said you're like 12-hour days, um, you know, three or four times a week, and um, they actually wanted me to take a training at midnight. I'm like, you know, for two weeks, I'm like, you think I'm going to spending... 10 days without actually seeing my family. Because the time I go, I get home, they're sleeping. The time I get up, they're already gone. I'm like, that's not going to happen. And we're at that stage now where it's like, I've lived more than half my life. And, you know, to just take too much, to spend too much time at work and less time with my with the wife and the family and everything else that i love like kayak fishing so man props to you for uh, starting your own business i hope it works out you said you're going to do like volta batteries is that correct
2: yeah it's called a volta lithium uh, is oh, a okay. brand name uh yeah we already sell lithium batteries um we're kind of changing nice. up our style a little bit this year but um like I said, once again, we, we actually build them right here. Of course, ev- everybody has to buy their supply from China, yeah. India and Pakistan and everything like that. But we actually get hands on with it and try to build a product that, you know, maybe matches everybody else's price, but you're getting more bang for your buck because, you know, it's, it's me and Tim, you know, we're, we're looking at every single, you know, spot weld on the battery. We're putting it all together, you know, the the time and quality that we're putting into these packs I think is is gonna be the big kicker for us compared to, you know, maybe most of the other suppliers just buying a pre-built package from, you know, they'll say engineered or designed. Uh, yeah. they're just buying a, you know, some factory Fancy words. that is yeah, is making it and sending it over here and they have no idea how it
1: works internally, you know so yeah no i'm sorry go ahead i interrupted no i was done <clears throat> no that's interesting and you know for those out there listening if you're looking for um lithium battery go check them out because i think it's something that to consider when you're buying anything but especially mentioning about batteries is like it's going to be you and tim which kind of like hands of approach to um each battery you know building each battery versus companies that mass produce when you mass produce i don't care what company you are quality suffers that that's just the way it is you know it's more about putting product out there and getting income than actually building a a quality product uh which um the the return is going to be minimal but because it's your your uh, operating costs it's simpler you know just you and and Tim, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, um, other things that big companies that have to worry about. It. Yeah, yeah. So it's you, you. It gives you more liberty to focus on the product and build the quality product. And I, I think anybody that's out there listening, looking for lithium batteries, there you go. Now it's going to be lithium batteries that could work for a kayak. You know, to power your taquito, your IX <clears> three, <throat> your um, your uh, fish finders.
2: Yeah. So, uh, our current batteries that we sell, uh, are their, their peak voltage is actually 16.8 volts, which we recommend that for electronics. Um, now you might say, oh, well, you know, almost 17 volts, you know, how does that work? Well, if you go back and check with all the manufacturers, uh, everybody allows, uh, up to about 18 volts to power your electronics. Now this is kind of, uh, this is a hearsay, uh, thing here, but, uh, You know, I believe that whenever you supply that little bit of extra voltage, you know, I'm able to maybe uh, turn up my gain a little bit more or uh, have benefits that maybe the lower voltage doesn't have. Once again, that's not proven in science or anything like that, but I believe it to be true. Um, The other part there is the higher voltage makes it to where, you know, if a, uh, let's say a Helix 10 uses uh, one amp an hour at 12 volts well at 16 volts it's going to use 0.8 amps you know so it's actually using less amperage so you're getting more life out of it so a 16.8 volt 45 amp hour versus a 12 volt 45 amp hour the 16.8 will actually last you know about 25
1: percent longer nice so. Yeah. You're looking to sponsor podcasts. Cause I'm, I'm a bit yeah, right. you, know, you just, <laughs> I just needed one <laughs> for the fish finder, man. No I'm kidding. Yeah. But now we wish you the best with that, man. That's pretty awesome. That's great knowledge on um battery there. That's a little bit of nugget information right there that I would did not expect to be getting. So props to you for sharing that information. There's something for my audience that they can take away when deciding to buy a battery and of course go check out voltage you have a website or a way to contact you if anybody's interested
2: yeah voltalithium.com you can uh find us on our website we also have a facebook page uh generally if you send us a message it's going to be me or tim replying. are so uh, you know not some some random you know uh call filter or something like that you know it's us
1: <laughs> no problem man. that's awesome Congratulations on, on on building your own business, man, and uh, moving forward. And always count us count with us here at Paddle and & Finn and Ask Kayak & Beers podcast to help you in any way promoting your products. Be more than honored to help one of our own, not just in Texans but kayak anglers, you know, build their business, especially when the business actually benefits the kayak fishing community. So props to you on that, and we wish you the best moving forward. Now, Silas, I've gotten you on for about 45 minutes or so. I know, like you said, you're a businessman um, and you're a family man, and you also like to spend time on the water. I don't want to take you too much of your time. Um, I want to give you a few minutes to thank who you wanted to thank and do your shameless plug. We already talked about Volta, but is anybody else that any sponsorships that you like to thank, uh, family members, anybody else? Just take your time. Yeah, yeah. Um... I
2: definitely want to thank, uh, all my sponsors, uh, you know, Kistler rods, uh, as well as exotic rods. Um, you, you know, got two rod sponsors, wow. two rod sponsors. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest that, uh, that Kistler Z bone that I had, uh, you know, that jig bite from Sunday, it, it was just a, a little bit of a nip most of the time. And without a sensitive rod, I don't know if I'd have been able to feel that. And so I definitely give them props, uh, Breakline Fishing Co., which is an apparel sponsor, uh, man, they're, they're always sending me clothes. Uh, can't, you can't fish without wearing the right, you know, sun protective gear. And, um, you know, that really makes a difference. Uh, obviously, Volta Lithium. Um, want to thank my family for uh, being able to support me and, uh, you know, let me chase after my dreams. I, I think most of us out here have, uh, you know, played sports or whatnot throughout the uh, you know, high school and all that stuff. And once you get out, you know, it's just the big world, but, uh, most of us find love and kayak fishing and being able to actually chase after that. And, uh, definitely appreciate my family for supporting me. Uh, and yeah,
1: thank you to, uh, to all my friends and, uh, yeah, love all the support. No problem, man. Thank you for coming to the show. Glad to have you back again. Hopefully, you know, we'll get to talk to you again soon and, uh, For those out there listening, thank you for listening to the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast. Remember, go check out my sponsor, Douglas Rock. Go to douglasoutdoors.com.
0: Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.